today we had the announcement that there's going to be an extension to the lockdown. And so we're in this time of great change. We can only see three weeks ahead. And I remember we were listening to the radio recently and somebody on the radio was talking about, oh, what what do you want to be doing? What's the first thing you want to do when all this goes back to normal? And I remember saying to you at the time, that feels a bit previous. And it was probably two weeks ago that we heard that or 10 days ago. Feels a bit early to even be able to imagine what coming back to normal is. But you said something um, just a moment ago that I thought was interesting, um, just about acknowledging the lessons that we're learning, acknowledging um, what what insights we're, it feels like we're already getting about how the future could look. Yeah, I, as, Han, as you said that, I was... I was uh, projecting three weeks into the future and, th- and thinking what three, what is another three weeks is going to feel like. But also I'm aware that time has done a really odd thing because I don't know how long it, it feels like that we've already had this time. But I know that we, um, I guess that I have been learning things, although it feels like we're in a sort of, um, eternal day you know it's like waking up every morning and oh, I get to remake my world again or what's what's the, the world being like this going to reveal to me today what's the thing to do today hmm. and so that's given it as a kind of timeless feeling and you were saying that it's has it been four weeks already yeah it has <clears throat> since we I guess it has. I mean, we, yeah, we cancelled a workshop on the 13th of March. And then, and and it's now the 16th of April. Yeah. And, um, and I have to say that our practice of clearing our listening and being joined by people every morning, and, and we're doing that every weekday, has been that's a real learning for me because you and I pretty much would be doing that every day mm. no matter what mm. you know before we start a meeting or we go to a meeting if we're meeting a client we, we would do that and I would do that on my own if we if you and I weren't working together so it's not unusual to be doing that but it is unusual to be joined by different people every day Mm, and so mm. that means that we're speaking into a different listening the the team of us if you like if you want to call us a a team we're not a team because it's an open thing um but there's a different listening to speak into every morning and there Mm. are different there are different people to listen to every day and i feel that 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 piece of um structure um, has been great. I mean, and, and not just because it's the structure, because there's been a new discovery every day in listening to somebody in that way. Mm. Yes, 
It's very interesting, isn't it? That connection every morning with a different group of people, little daily group consciousness um, when we clear our listening and let go of the things that are getting in the way and set an intention, we're left with half a dozen, a dozen, 15 intentions from people. Um, and all of them feel like valid intentions that I can take into mm. my day. Yeah, and I, and I notice that every morning the process of um, listening to my own thoughts, making conscious my own thoughts, and then listening to everybody else's thoughts as, as they clear them and then setting an intention changes my state or sets me up, as you say. You know, we end up with a list of different positive intentions for the day, and that mm. always feels like... Well, that's a great place to start. There's always then a lot of possibility at the beginning of the day. Something that I think has been really revealed to me. Um, so we're talking about what are we what are we learning um, that we can take forward that can be helpful for us moving into this new future. And it's interesting talking about the future when you were talking about three weeks. And then I was just talking to our daughter an hour ago and she said, what's going to happen after those three weeks? Is there going to be another three weeks? And that idea of how stories work, um, that stories have a beginning, a middle and an end. <clears throat> and being on the journey of a story um, gives one a feeling of safety and security. When you're listening to a story, uh, when you kind of, feel that you know where you are in the arc of a story. It gives you a sense of um, security, safety, and you can release yourself into the journey of that story that's being told to you. You kind of know that, oh, I feel like I'm coming to the crest of the story now, and I know somehow we're going to come to the, to the last line. And I think even though we don't consciously think of our lives like that in an arc, um, there is behind everything we do kind of assumptions of a, of a knowledge of the journey that we're on, where it might go. And of course, we know there's going to be deviations, but we kind of vaguely know where we are in the arc of it. And what feels really um, disconcerting in this time, I think, is we, we don't know where the story's going. Mm -hmm. We can't see where we are in the arc. I mean, the obvious arc that we keep hearing about is the peak. Have we hit the peak? And all that, that idea that there's a peak that we're heading to, which will be the turning point. Like the turning point of the story will be when we hit the peak of the epidemic and then we'll come down the other side to whatever the last line of this bit of the story is. And even the people, the scientists talking about it, they don't know when the peak is and they don't really know if that means that that's the turning point in the story. But anyway... So there's something interesting for me about that idea of story structure and how much it is hardwired into our consciousness, into our perception, into our experience of life, that idea of being on a story mm, mm. And, and, sh and shaping our experience and everything that happens to us being incorporated into an ongoing story. Now, that was all a kind of parenthesis for another thought that I was on. So um, That's me, just good. It's I, given me loads to... Well, yes, please respond to that, and then I'll find my way back to my other thoughts. Well, yeah. So the, the, the problem 
if you like, of not knowing where we are in this story. So that's one thing that I that I notice and the idea of, oh, we're just going to have another three weeks and then maybe another three weeks after that. And, you know, because there are all there are all sorts of possible timelines and we do have a human need because story is how we process and make sense of things mm, mm. that of course it is high it's very comforting for us to think okay we must be halfway through this now then it yeah. then it kind of feels bearable but it could be that well of course the world is going to look different in you know in three weeks time or mm. in six months time um in a year's time you know this th this is this is not going to resolve neatly like a story um anytime soon it's it's going to be a much longer story than that so so how as humans do we cope with being able to process something that we is really difficult to process when we're in the middle of a story that is going to roll on and on so that's that's one thing and then I was just thinking about the story arc that we draw when we work with people yes and and how yeah we're in a world of looking at peaks which looks a little bit like that story arc and we're also in a world of windows with rainbows painted in them and the the rainbow is another arc yeah but it's a it, you know it's a positive it's color it's it, it's it's something comforting it's an image that comforts us because because there's treasure on the other i was gonna say at, at the other side of the rainbow so it's like that's if, where the rainbow <clears throat> links to like an idea of story isn't it you travel the rainbow to yeah to get to the to the treasure at the uh, at the end point of it um so yeah well those are the, the those are the kind of uh, uh, not random thoughts those are the thoughts that i was having listening to you talk about that yes and you made me think about time because so many people have been commenting about how time has gone really weird how how um time feels very different to kind of hold on to in the way that we're used to holding on to it or hmm um, or does it hold on to us? Um, you know, I can often in my life feel that there's never enough time. Like like time is against me somehow, which is crazy because time just is. And that's my relationship to it. But in this space, when you're talking about four weeks and three weeks and how long have we been in this moment yeah. of isolation? You know, when you when you go on holiday once a year, you're lucky you get two weeks or two and a half weeks, or three weeks if you're really lucky, and you go away, um, or a week, you uh, you know what two weeks away feels like. It has a kind of shape to it, but two weeks in your house, mm, or three mm. weeks or four weeks in your house, feels really, really different. This isn't a holiday, we know that. Um, and and the thing I was going to say about time, people keep saying, I don't know where the time goes, or time's gone really strange. And I think there is something about, you know, if you're if you if you're if you're sitting an exam, for example, that's timed, or you're do or you're you're doing something which um, which is uncomfortable and it's got a, a kind of time boundary around it, we we feel safe knowing, oh, I'm over the halfway point now. I'm halfway through this time. It's our, our relationship to time when we're in discomfort is really useful to us because it allows us to go, 
it's okay. I've only got a quarter amount mm-hmm. of the time mm-hmm. left. I'm, you know, I'm nearly there now. And we use that as a motivator and we just don't, it's really hard to motivate ourselves through this endless piece of time. I feel like I've really learned something about my relationship to time and to uh, pressure. You know, just that feeling of of we have all this time. I'm not, you know, typically my life looks like traveling to different places to be running workshops. I'm always on the move, you know, running from an office to a meeting to a delivery, you know, delivering a piece of work or whatever it is. Um, And suddenly I'm at home and yet I, I am observing that I have found it very difficult to let go of that internal pressure of there still not being enough time I still haven't quite had that feeling of oh where's where's the moment where I have space to read everything that I want to read to listen to pieces of music to create something to be working on my stories to you know where to where's, empty those boxes that have been sitting. Yeah, where where is all that? Where's all that time? And what have I been? What have I been doing? Because I yes. don't know. I don't know what I've been doing instead. So that means that the feeling of not having any time has got, got nothing. Has nothing to do with the reality of how much I have to do in a day no. or or where I'm going. It's it's. Um, it's an internal state which I can give myself or I can deny myself. Yeah. But it's, yeah, this but, is it's <clears throat> but it's I'm I'm noticing that that in itself is exhausting, always carrying the feeling, oh I want to do that, but there's not time because I ought to be doing this other thing. Um I've heard lots of people expressing that exactly what you're expressing. Uh, as well which is the I've got all this time but why aren't I reading the book I want to read and emptying yeah, yeah, the box and doing it yeah. heard people today talk about it heard people yesterday talk about it the boundaries between our different identities kind of did, being dissolved by this moment because you know mm. I'm, I can have an identity when I walk into the block where we work and I see people there um, and that is a work identity and then I can let that go and come back into my home and I have a home identity or I have an identity in this street with the people I know in this street and because we're not going to our workplaces our workplaces are here wherever we are and if we're if we're lucky enough to be able to continue doing work in some form just those boundaries between our different identities are, are kind of dissolving and I think Here's a learning thing which is potentially really positive that and I I've I've heard people comment on this too that you're getting on a Zoom and or a Skype or whatever, a Google Hangout, and you're you're seeing somebody in their own environment, in a bit of their own environment, in their bedroom, in their office, in their kitchen, in their sitting room, you're seeing into another bit of them that you might mm. never have seen before mm. and we're all we're, we're all looking at the pictures on people's walls or is that books or is that an empty wall or is there a you know a map or a window or or seeing a bit of somebody's bedstead bedhead I keep seeing it's like okay I know where they are 
um, oh, they've got that duvet cover or whatever it is. We're seeing little windows into into the whole person yeah, that yeah. we don't necessarily see unless we're invited into their bedroom, into their house. And we were talking to somebody yesterday about how actually positive this potentially is for the humanizing of all of us in the workplace. Yeah. We are yeah. human beings that have beds and duvets and kitchens and books and tellies and and children. Uh, you know, you, you may never take your children to work, as in you may never really talk about your children at work or or not so that so that people really get what it's like for you to have them in your life. Yeah. And then suddenly they might have come and sit on your lap in a Zoom meeting. And it's like, we're having to see that that is okay. And more than that, we should see this is not just okay. This is great. I yeah, now know yeah, you're a mother yeah. or a father or a, or, a, or, we, or a parent. You know, you've got a parent and now you're, I see that you're a son to somebody. So I'm thinking about... Um, uh, the tyranny of the word professional and looking mm. professional. And many times, you know, if I'm coaching someone, they will express an, an, a need or a desire or a feeling that it's not appropriate for them to tell a personal story, for yeah. example, yeah, yes. because it's not professional. You know, that there is a demarcation between a story or something that, that is, you know, that that may come from a different part of your life and how appropriate is that to tell in a presentation or in a work setting. And that's always something that I'm, you know, challenging with people and encouraging them to yes. to be blurring that boundary because it, for me it's the, the most important thing is to, to be the whole person. But there is this tyranny of this word professional. And even as you say that, that idea of doing a Zoom meeting and you know, a child comes in and sits on your lap and and how women, I think, particularly have been uh, subject to that mm. tyranny that in the past men have been able to just kind of compartmentalise mm. um, their role as fathers and go off to work. And and I think women have, have, yeah, carried the weight of that much more. And now we get to see women and men in their home environment with kids around and with perhaps a mess behind them, perhaps, you know, a space that's mm. not a workspace, a space yes. that's a, a personal space. And yet they're the same person. They have the same expertise. They have the same, um, they are their work self in their home environment. So that's, so it, so it is getting blurred. I guess I'm also thinking too about people who who are comfortable with that demarcation and want and want yeah. that, you know, because they want to at the end of the day, their work day, close the door on work and be somebody else entirely. Well, I think <clears throat> yeah, and I think that is really important for a healthy work-life balance. The boundary thing, so. Not the boundaries between different identities, but the boundaries between I'm working now and I'm not working now. Yeah, yeah. Which you and I have to negotiate because we live together yeah. and we work together. And so we're often negotiating that in different ways because sometimes we, it, we might get past five or six o'clock 
and we might have to work um, or we might choose to work, but it's, but it's being conscious with those choices and not letting everything bleed from one thing into another. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it is, yes, it is interesting, this, um, the thing about the, the gender thing, about what women have potentially had to do with being mothers and keeping that very separate because it's not been wanted um, in the workplace to know that they've got all these other pressures. Well, you might not be able to manage the pressure of this job if you've got the pressures of being Yeah, and the inconvenience of having children who get sick sometimes and then you can't come to work or, you know, and all that. Or getting pregnant and being off for a year Uh, or whatever. Yeah. And also, then for men, it's, um, well, it might be, there's just a different conundrum, maybe a different situation which maybe the man... um, is now parenting more because they don't spend so much time in a house with their kids normally. Mm, mm. And so actually, um, yeah, we are, we, they're being put into a situation where they're having to juggle a lot more and be seen to do that. Um, it's just a kind of slightly different challenge. Well, people are dealing with this in, in, different ways because some people um you know well I mean I I notice it between you and me because you um I think you have much more of a need to work than I do (laughs) is that a good way to say that you you like to work and you can work and um and I think other people in this challenge of being at home um, are more distracted because home mean, being at home mm. means something different and there's something, you know, there will always be something else that calls their attention so it's hard to, be, to, to bring that focus to work. I always think that you're really good at, at, at focusing on what you choose to put your focus on. But I've had conversations with other people who say, I'm just no good at working from home because, you know, in this situation with everything else that's happening, my mind is scattered. There's there's too much going on. It, this is not business as usual. Yeah. So I can't be thinking. You know, the, the my um, priorities and my perspective on what's important is changed because I'm in a world that's in a pandemic. So. I can't be thinking about a proposal for a piece of work because mm. I don't know what the world's going to look like in six months' time or three months' time or whatever. All I want to challenge in that <clears throat> is the kind of inherent judgment that one thing is better than another. I just, uh, I, I think it just is different. That we're, different people are wired in different ways, and and what it makes me think well, about I is I don't feel that that, that I was like saying one's better than the other or maybe I was saying well there's just something I was the, valuing your ability to focus over mine yeah so maybe that that's did, what I mean so yeah, there's okay, something so just maybe. in saying oh I think you're really good at work or you'd like to work more than I do any of that feels like in that is some judgment that that's better but all I think it is because I think because I think this is where some learning is possible that this is a space when we can really learn something about ourselves as individuals in the way we are managing it. And as we all know, we're, you know, it's a roller coaster. Every day might be a roller coaster. 
um, of of different f- feelings, emotions, thoughts, and responses. But learning something about um, where you feel that your value is. Um, uh, when I say how you're how we're kind of wired, it's like I am realizing something which I've known, um, but is really coming to to be kind of reflected back at me that the need to do something to be an activist is where I find my value, my purpose. Um, and if I'm not, then who am I? And so it's requiring me to go, well, you can generate endless tasks for yourself, but actually, is is that really valuable? Is this just feeding this, oh, I need to be, I need to feel like I'm doing something. I need to be seen to be doing something. I need to be, I need to be productive. So I think there's something there because I think there is great value in being reflective as well. And this isn't business as usual. So are we being given opportunity to not just go, okay, let's motor on, take what the situation is and be practical and productive with it? Or how much are we being asked to be reflective on that balance? But the thing it makes me think of is also Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which has been kind of bubbling around in my head for a week or so because I'm really aware that different people are on different mm. Uh, mm. stages of it different places in that pyramid yeah and um mm. not having the pyramid sitting in front of me but knowing that at the bottom of it of the pyramid it's our real a really basic human needs of um uh shelter yeah food safety. security safety mm. warmth um and then if you've got those what are the things that you want to be fulfilled? And I'm aware that a sense of purpose is quite high up the pyramid, that mm, sense of mm. um, value and purpose, personal purpose. And I do feel lucky that I'm not uh, at that, you know, I'm not, I have got a house and I have got food and I have got security at this point. And so I'm, I'm in that, where's my purpose bit mm, of, the, mm. of, the, of the hierarchy. So is there, is that, would you, would you say that there is something that you have learned already in this that you, you know, when we come out of the other side of this, whenever that is, that there's something that you want to take back into work when it is business as usual? I have to think of this as a kind of present tense ongoing thing because I don't feel I can I just don't feel equipped to go oh good boom yeah got that tie that thought up and that learning up I feel that it's not learned it's it's what am I learning it feels continue continually in flux that but there is something that I am being asked to look at about where I, where one finds value in one's life, where Mm, one mm. finds purpose um, and how you manifest it, how you, how you fulfill it. And that's just there for me. Um, It's, 
you know, I'm kind of, it's cyclical. I'm kind of going round that question in my head, it feels like.